Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the-barnburner.com. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or other shows. Tonight, you have Zach, Sam, and Mason. We're going to chop it up, talk some Grizzlies. Finally got to see a game this week. Very satisfying game. Uh, We'll run through some highlights on that. Talk John Morant, Desmond Bain. Do we really need Jonas Valanciunas? I don't know these things and more we will discuss we also got a new dynamic on the show uh, we're missing rich tonight so right now we have three married dudes on the podcast for the first time ever in backdoor cut show history as we got the chief married last week yeah a little over a week can't believe it's been that long How, how's it been so far it is it, it's been successful so far and then zach actually did the way he did the ceremony himself got ordained through the life church had a was walking around strutting around the keys with the clergy member tag that he had hanging from his shirt, uh, which is pretty amazing. I hope you keep that. I hope you you really have a future in it, man. I gotta say you did really well, and I like to think that the podcasting is what caused you to escalate your public speaking game. Just the familiarity with the crowd. Um, you know, I was afraid you were going to launch into statistics about the Grizzlies' recent winning streak uh, in the middle of it, just out of old hat. But we did well, man. We're three married guys with a podcast. And we got Grizzlies basketball. It's back. We haven't really talked in a while, but I'm excited to be on. Mason, what's going on with you, man? Hey, man, just enjoying the uh, longest winning streak in the NBA. Grizz is now at six games in a row. Uh, it's a good place to be, you know, uh, in fifth in the Western Conference, eight and six, coming off a hot shooting night against the Spurs. Get to mm. play them again on Monday. These baseball-style series. Zach, I know you said you love it, man. How I'm you liking feeling tonight? it, dude. I think it's really fun. You get to see, you know, what is San Antonio going to come back with? You can guarantee that they're not going to get they're not going to get surprised like they were this time. I think maybe they didn't know. They they were coming off a of back-to-back also, and it kind of showed in their legs. Grizzlies obviously hadn't played in a while and got a lot, you know, got a really young squad, so they came out firing, shooting hot in the first half and really just kept it up, kept up the pressure the entire game. Uh, it was really a joy to see, honestly. All right, so let's just talk about the game last night against the Spurs. Uh, what? Just some big overarching takeaways I had. I thought um, 
early on, both teams, no problem at all finding an offensive rhythm, which was good to see for the Grizzlies team, who in the first five games of this winning streak and even before that, they weren't really doing it with the offense. Um, but we just came out firing away. We were three for three. I think we made our first four threes maybe. Um, just hot start and the same for the Spurs, unfortunately. And then the Grizzlies midway through the first quarter, Taylor Jenkins started changing the defense. We saw some zone. We saw some pressing there in the first half. And I thought that was a huge part of the game. Just uh, us getting settled in defensively, getting some stops and building that lead. Um, what was y'all's thoughts on the first half? I didn't tune in for the first half, so I came in in the second half, which I will tell the story of me watching the game. But, Zach, what are your thoughts on the first half? Yeah, I think the – so I was a little concerned. San Antonio was still – they shot pretty hot in the first half as well. Grizzlies were shooting, I think, 60-plus percent through both the first and second quarters and were only holding you know seven-point lead pretty much, which if you've seen a lot of basketball, you know that if you're shooting lights out, and you're only up in that marginal range, seven points in the NBA, absolutely nothing can be erased in a matter of seconds, you know, less than a minute that can disappear, then it's going to be a long haul. Like if teams most of the time end up cooling off in the second half when they shoot that well in the first, and that just didn't really happen for Memphis. Overall shot 48% from three, 17 of 35, and uh, Sean Coleman of Grizzly Bear Blues uh, had a tweet out today that I thought was a pretty interesting statistic. Said that the Grizzlies have played 2007 games in the history of their franchise. And before Taylor Jenkins arrived last year, there were only three games in which Memphis hit 17 or more threes, which is wild. And then since the start of last year, we've had six such games where we've hit 17 or more threes. So we can go back to the question that we talked about a ton maybe early mid last season of, you know, how is this let it fly Grizzlies is Taylor Jenkins going to be able to change the culture from playing guys in the mud. Like we're used to. I think that's pretty indicative of the answer is yes. And now we're starting to get some of the guys we'll get into uh, later, but we actually have personnel that can hit those shots. So that goes a long way as well. Without that, yeah, you can have the culture and the mindset of that's what you want to do, but uh, without those guys who can execute on it, doesn't mean doesn't really mean anything. But Memphis does have those now. So Sam, what you got on the second half? You got a DNP CD from DeAnthony Melton in the last game, uh, in, which was the Martin Luther King game. You know, the Suns game. A lot of us wonder what was going on. He just come back in COVID protocol. We find out loosely through the media that after a Verno tirade about the media not asking the relevant questions. Uh, we, we find out that it's some sort of team issue. Like he, everyone speculated, right? He some, violated some sort of minor rule. I like missed a practice or was late or something, something stupid like that and just got benched for a game, like for uh, disciplinary reasons or whatever, I, I guess. It's what it seemed like. So you wonder if he's going to come back, hasn't played a basketball game in, what is that, like three weeks, um, uh, roughly, and then comes back and is like one of the best shooters on the team, I believe is like four of seven from three in the game, uh, and then slides right back in doing – you know, Mr. Do-something things, as he's called. Uh, so that was really good to see. But my experience watching this game was I was in Nashville um, for a, a friend's wedding, and I sent a tweet out, just send a flare up to the to the Grizzlies national group and say, hey, where, where, where can I take in the game tonight? Because obviously hotels do not have Fox Sports South. So Marriott, get your game together and, um, you know, make it to where I can watch it. And, of course, I got to watch it on my phone. 
uh, on the app, which is nice. But, you know, I wanted to be able to watch it on TV. And I was like, you know, like I'll, I'll check out a bar and see if like I'm feeling comfortable. So get told to go to this place called Lucky's on 4th. And it's like a little bit away from the downtown area. It's kind of like a probably a locals bar, like where they avoid all the Broadway people, um, kind of where we go in like Midtown, for example, to avoid all the people on Beale Street that are tourists. And uh, we go to the bouncer at the front. He looks, at our, I, he looks at our IDs. He says, go on in, order a drink, but you can't stay in there. You got to come out to the patio. He's like, we're at capacity. And I was like, huh? So then I opened the door and I'm blasted with the sound of, a hundred people in this small bar. That's probably the size of Bardock. And it was a fucking rager. And I will tell you that like, I haven't seen a rager in a long time and it was bizarre to see it. Like just to see that many people in an area and to hear that noise, you know, the noise, like just the noise of a lot of people talking, Activity, that kind yeah. of, like that slow, small roar. I haven't heard that in 10 months or more, you know, almost a year now. And it, at the second I heard that, we walked in and I looked at my wife and I was like, the game was, of course, on. And in fact, as we walked up, some dude was like grit and grind because I was wearing like a Grizzlies mask. So it is a Grizzlies bar uh, there in the national area, which is pretty cool. And it is a cool spot. But at this time in the, in the era of the pandemic, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we're not comfortable. So we went back to the hotel room and I watched it on uh, my wife's iPad, which was fine. You know, and, and that's just that's 2021 as we know it. But it was a. Uh, so Nashville, man, like get your shit together. And I, I, I'm not surprised because, you know, that's just kind of what's going on over there. But it was wild to see, like, they did not care or there's no protocol or anything. So um, is that like, where, no Chris, no do we know if Jonas Valanciunas spends a lot of time in Nashville and frequents Nashville bars? Man, he if, we might if, need to get to the did, bottom of that. He might, he would be at this bar if he did. This bar is like literally ground zero for like the 2021 infection. Uh, the new strain is brewing at Lucky's on fourth. I'll tell you that. Uh, so hopefully the uh, hopefully the vaccine can can tackle. They just need to like sit, sit outside of there with like a little CDC tent and just inject people as they come out of there. But yeah, so that that was a weird way to start my game watching experience. And then the second half cruised along. Bang got in, hit a bunch of threes, we made a ton of threes. I was noticing even the second half didn't having not seen the first. Uh, Patty Mills, I feel like started to get some run the second I started watching and doing Patty Mills things. Uh, apparently he's like the, now the Spurs leading three point maker. Uh, I think in that game, he hit a three that made him the franchise leader in three points made uh, beating Manu Ginobili. And I was like, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I don't, I know he's played what a decade there, but I feel like not as long as Ginobili or any of those guys. So he's made a ton of threes and I feel like 57% of them on the Grizzlies, but um, you know, it was a really fun game. And I think, the guys came out. The big narrative was like, how are they going to look? Are they going to be sluggish? Are they going to be tired? Are they going to look like they haven't played basketball in two weeks? Like a lot of the teams have off the COVID protocol layoff, but they didn't, they look really sharp. Um, and they were obviously shooting the ball really well. Defense was good. I mean, that I saw um, shout out Dylan Brooks, who, you know, I love to clown on really did lock up um, DeRozan and did a really good job on him. I think what five or six points on the night from DeRozan predominantly guarded by Dylan who really wasn't having a great shooting night to that point, but still was a plus seven as put it out by you guys, which means his impact mm, on the defense. Plus was huge. 17. Uh, he, the, yeah, he, he ended plus 17 at the yeah. time, at the time when he was missing shots, I even said like, he looks, oh, what's he yeah. doing? And he was a plus seven at that point, even when he hadn't even made any shots, then he hit two like dagger threes after that. And even ended the game even higher. Um, so yeah, he did like a really good job on DeRozan. And like, that's what he said he's going to do is he's going to be, our defender wants to be an all defensive player. And so that's, he's, he's, he's doing it. I mean, with his effort. So um appreciate that. What other things do we think from the what, game? What was it you said about Brooks? He said he shoots every shot. Like he's eight for eight on the game. 
Yeah. I thought that was so you accurate. Crazy amount of confidence, man. And like, that's, you got to have that as a shooter in the league and just, you can't remember each, each missed shot. Um, but yeah, like he, it's, it's, it's wild how much more effective he is when he like ma- takes good shots. I mean, I feel like he doesn't miss that shit. Um, it's only when he hits those, the, when he gets a, one of those crazy runners going that, you know, there might be like three to four missed shots after that that aren't in the flow, but that's just like, that's Dylan, man. And like, it, it really is just kind of, you take it with what you go, but uh, Mason, any other thoughts? Yeah. And I mean, if Dylan doesn't have that mindset, who knows if we win that game last night, because you mentioned he kind of had some offensive struggles, especially late. There was a sequence where he missed two threes in a row. And then he had a turnover where he was looking to pass and got uh, hung up and carried the ball. He was trying to hit Desmond Bain uh, or no Melton. And then to come back and for his teammates, John Morant, the leader of the team, to have the confidence to go to Dylan Brooks, not once, but twice in a row to knock down the shots after Derek White had hit a three to bring it within five. Uh, And really, the Spurs were right there. There was plenty of time left, just shy of five minutes, I want to say. And then John Morant just took over that game. He had he went to Dylan back to back um, and, and then he hit a floater himself. Then he had a lob to Gorgie to close the game and Ja was just dominant in that stretch forced pop to wave the white flag with like two minutes to go. I mean, it was 88 seconds of Ja Morant uh, highlighted by Dylan Brooks as two threes. And that's just superstar. We'll get into his clutch play in a minute, but he also had another stretch just like that in the third quarter after Dylan had frustrated DeMar. DeMar got his second bucket of the game. Uh, and just starts yelling at Dylan after he pushes Ja, who, who's like trying to jump and get the rebound. Uh, DeMar gets a tech for pushing Ja and yelling at Dylan, and then he just pissed Ja off. Ja did his signature lefty lay, layup scoop, you know, the one where he doesn't touch it with anything but his left hand. It's, it's honestly becoming a signature play in the NBA. It's a thing of beauty the way he can just control the ball with his left hand and throw it off the glass no matter the angle. Um, and, and then Ja, he hit uh, Murray with the spin move, which led Pete Pranica to say that DeJounte Murray needed a GPS to find Ja Morant. He's still mm. looking for him with the baseline fadeaway. And then uh, he hit Kyle for an and one. And then he did like a Jordan-like layup where he went up and came under the defenders and laid it up. And they went into timeout. And you can see him yelling at the Spurs and saying, talk that shit now. Talk that shit now. So, uh, and then he said, you know, like the, don't wake the sleeping bear or whatever is what he tweeted today. And I'm pretty sure that was in reference to uh, DeMar DeRozan getting a little too excited over one bucket on Dylan Brooks. Yeah, man, it's exciting shit. Like the, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unta- the clutch thing is like, you can measure it by the whole like last five minutes of the game. If you're within five points, I think is what's considered a, an NBA clutch moment. So it has a actual statistic measurable, but just the intangible aspect of like, you know, a guy can take you home. You know that like it's it, if you get beat, it's because you have a better guy on the other team. But you have a guy that's going to that it's going to make the right play every single offensive possession. And it's, and it's getting to be even on the defensive end of the floor, too. It seems like he's focused more on that. So, it you know, I, I'd send a text into our group the second it got to that clutch when they brought it within five and jawed the ball. I was like, I mean, I, I just feel like we're going to win this game because he's got the ball. And you know, I knew he was going to play the rest of the game. So. And then what did he do? Three straight, you know, assist, assist, bucket. And that's just like, that's just what happens. Uh, and, and another assist. Right play. And another assist. It is, and just hit, the way he carries himself already is like, I'm going to beat you right now. And that's just the way it's going to be. And, you know, good luck. We'll see you in the next game. And that that's just a, for a kid that's like 21, 
um, second year in the league. It's a, I mean, it's just an intangible thing. He's just got it written all over him. The leader, the skill, the combination of leadership skills, the swagger, uh, you know, at, at his position, it's, you don't find it a lot. And it's just sort of like all in one kit. Yeah. And to kind of add some color. So last night Memphis won by end up winning by 17. So a lot, if you're looking at the technical clutch numbers that you referenced, Sam, a lot of what Morant did, not going to be on there because Memphis had pulled away. So those type of things are not going to show up on that very like, fungible statistic or kind of you know um, filter, if you will. But just to kind of get a little perspective on it, in the fourth quarter last night, Morant, he had three points, but he had five of his 11 assists in the fourth quarter and 12 points resulted from those five assists. So, I mean, I think he's not – he can get to the cup at will, but a lot of times, multiple times, he chose to get to the cup at will, but then use that to get his teammates open, like Dylan Brooks, to get him open to hit the shot. So I think just his wherewithal and vision on the court and his game plan is just – it's next level, and it's something that you just don't see very often. Well, and, and it works on a night like last night where we're shooting 48% from three, um, which is really the first game we've shot the ball like this. If you look at the season stats, we're 27th in the league in three-point shooting. Uh, like I said earlier, we have been getting by on defense. So I think that's why it was so refreshing for me to see us come out of an extended break and just shooting the cover off the ball. Um, and kind of, Zach, like you alluded to, what could be with Taylor Jenkins' system We've got down the uh, points in the paint thing. We had 56 last night, and we lead the league in points in the paint. Now we just got to get down to knocking down the shots at a league average rate uh, from outside. But 56% from the floor overall last night didn't have a quarter where we shot less than 50%. You couldn't, in 34 assists, you couldn't have asked for much more offensively. And then, honestly, defensively, they buckled down when they needed to to get that cushion in the game. And then as the Spurs made their run in the fourth quarter, they buckled down again, got scores scores and stops to bust it out of that clutch time play, as you mentioned, Zach. So, yeah, one of the, the bright spots shooting this season is going to be in one of the categories Zach alluded to earlier is the shooting of rookie Desmond Bain at TCU, who's, I think, shooting 52% right now from three, uh, leading the league in three-point percentage at a, a healthy amount of attempts. Um, ironically, not a great corner three-point shooter. Uh, his most of his attempts come above the break and in the uh, in the corner, or not the corners, but the elbows. Uh, and, and he really just can, he can make that shit. However, he's got a verified flamethrower, and doesn't matter whether he's like standstill or coming up, running off a screen. Um, he's an amazing three-point shooter. And again, we talk about. I feel like we talk about this every episode, but it was as advertised. You know, it's what he did in college, and it's what he's doing now. And he's getting great shots with Tyus and Josh setting him up. Uh, even Dylan's looking for him too, as Mason said. Guys are looking for him, and he really knows where to move. There's a lot of possessions where, I mean, it's 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 you know basketball 101, but he really does a smart job of sliding when guys are driving. He slides down and creates space for the pass. He doesn't clog up anywhere, and he's really smart with where he moves. He moves a lot without the ball too, which is what I look for in like a a really good shooter, like a Joe Harris type um, or a Duncan Robinson. You know, the best shooters in the game. Uh, what do we think about Desmond Bain's performance so far? And also, as that relates to, should he get more play time? We're always talking about it. Is Should Grayson Allen be out of the rotation? You know, is Grayson's injury now or his protocol or whatever's going on with him, is it opening up minutes for Melt and and Bain that, that you know, that the fans want to see and it might actually make us a better team? Or is it is it just a mirage because we had just a really hell of a shooting night? Mason, what do you think? 
I think that's a tough call. Um, for the Grizzlies have been fortunate to see a lot of their wing players be really successful, and that's Grayson Allen, um, who they were winning games with as he was starting, and he was just really coming on, knocking down shots his first game back with Ja. Um, he was really against Phoenix, you know, really effective. But then you got Desmond Bain, who steps in and does the same thing the next night. De'Anthony Melton didn't get on the court versus Phoenix, and I know there's some speculation, but according to Taylor Jenkins, he just wanted to see what the different lineups look like, maybe cutting it one rotation player down. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't believe that, but that's what he said, so I just wanted to put that on the record. And um, and, and then you got Kyle Anderson, who's a semi-wing guy, and it's just like we have all these players who – honestly deserve the minutes you got John Conchar who comes in and is a rebounding machine just seems to be in the right spot um yeah, so, is. <laughs> you know I, I do think Desmond Bain has definitely earned as many minutes as possible but I'm just not sure and we know Taylor Jenkins and them are not taking Grayson Allen out of that rotation it doesn't seem that way at least and if you look at the numbers some of our best lineups in terms of net rating Grayson Allen is in those He's even in some of our best lineups defensively, which you wouldn't expect. So I understand the call for Desmond Bain to play more minutes, but right now we're just at this situation. It's almost like the Nuggets, you know, last year when they just have all those guards on the wings and you just let them play and it's going to work itself out where you figure out who's going to stick around and who you can trade or maybe you just stay deep. You know, there's no problem in that. That's, what's, that's what has made this team successful especially in this COVID season is having all this talent. People step in when others get, get hurt or go into the protocols. Yeah. Really good points there. So kind of diving into Bain having the highest three point percentage in the NBA. So, you know, a lot of statistics can be red herring. So we'll just look at, we'll take, we'll celebrate them, but take them slightly with a grain of salt. So Are you about I, to kill our buzz right here. <laughs> just being it real with you. My vibe. <laughs> so, Right now he's second after the games uh, either last night or tonight after they updated uh, at 52%. So shooting 52.8% from three is Alex Caruso. Mm. He's shooting the shit out of the ball this year. Um, I I haven't seen him miss a three yet. and I've watched like three or four Lakers games. They're always on national TV. Yeah, he's made over half of them. Yeah, man. Obviously, that's what that's Is that what that is? That's good, good, dude. Uh, But – Bain does I have. 52, I saw all fifty-two point eight percent of the ones oh, he's made. I'm saying <laughs> he showed out for you specifically. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Caruso's attempts are lower. He's got thirty-six total, whereas Bain has fifty. Um, those are both coming out to about two and a quarter attempts per game, which I would not call a volume shooter at this point. Uh, next guy on the list is Seth Curry, who has sixty three-point attempts. Uh, with 51.7%, little over four and a half attempts per game. Uh, hasn't played in quite as many games. And then following them, uh, him are uh, Wayne Ellington and Michael Porter Jr., both over five attempts per game, shooting around 50%. Then we get to Joe Harris, who's got 138, so significantly more than any of those guys. Uh, he's shooting 48% and, on six and a half attempts per game. Damn. So if if that's something that's scalable, you know, for him to go from two and a quarter up to, you know, really double that and keep anywhere in that uh, volume. I mean, that's elite shooting. Tough to say at this point with on the low volume, uh, but 
obviously that is better than being garbage on your low volume. So uh, we'll just kind of something to keep an eye on and keep, see how it's trending. Uh, as far as on the Grizzlies roster, he does have uh, the fourth most three point attempts per game behind obviously Brooks, surprisingly Kyle Anderson, and then also uh, Grayson Allen. Uh, so kind of some, just to put it in perspective just a little bit and to kind of go to your question earlier on the log jam on the wings. If you look at minutes played per game, it's very fascinating. So no one on the team averages more than 30 minutes per game, which makes a lot of what jaws. I mean, jaws getting counting stats, not even playing start like full starter minutes. Same as last year. Memphis hasn't had to play him. 35, 36 minutes per game for him to produce and still make an impact. Taylor Jenkins has found other ways for other guys to handle the ball and to take that load off him so he can rest and be a beast in the fourth quarter. Uh, A quote by Ja yesterday or today was, this one really got me fired up. I don't know if you saw this one, Sam. But he said, I'm just seeing red, smelling blood, and I know that's winning time. About the fourth quarter, I was like, whoa, boy about ready to run through a wall for this kid. I mean, like he gets it and that's awesome. Didn't mean to circle back to him necessarily, uh, but you have 10 guys on this roster averaging between 20 and 30 minutes a game with only Tillman. No, sorry. Gorgie and Conchar being the only significant guys averaging less than that. Um, and I think Mason made a really good point and I don't ha- really have a reason to disagree on the plug and play aspect uh, and the ability that this gives you and the kind of the advantage that a lot of teams don't have, especially in a season where you're randomly losing people to COVID and you can't really control that. So in order to kind of keep that depth, I don't, I'm, I think that it doesn't hurt to kind of keep everyone fresh. And so far Jenkins has been, oddly successful in finding the hot hand and who to play on which nights, which, I mean, that seems like a really good trait for him to have. Uh, so that's been really impressive. Uh, but yeah, I think everyone wants to see more Bane. I'd have to look and see where he is compared to minutes wise, compared to a lot of rookies. Notice a lot of guys, you know, coming off the bench. Some are starting to get more minutes now as we get into the season. And I really wouldn't be surprised to see that from him as well especially seeing as he's a little bit older of a player. Well, and, and the case can be made if you go to the uh, point differential when the guys are on and off the court. Desmond Bain leads the team at plus 12 and a half, and then it's Xavier Tillman, but then it's DeAnthony Melton, Grayson Allen, John yeah. Moran, and Kyle <laughs> Anderson. So it's like the, it's kind of like the guys who are fighting for those minutes are all making doing our well. team better. Yeah, yeah so – um, great problem to have, but I think it's important as as fans and as fun as the six game winning streak is, and we're expecting to keep winning and to keep getting better, and we can't wait for the players to come back. the The organization is going to be super careful. Their goal is not this year what the end game this season is, um, and they're not going to like sacrifice the long term health of players, whether it's Jaron and Justice or Ja or DeAnthony Melton. Uh, for winning one playoff series this year or whatever that may look like at the end. Um, I don't, I don't, I I think it's hard to kind of keep that 
in the same mind frame as we're seeing this team get better and better. And like, we're seeing the potential of really what could be. Um, we're seeing Xavier Tillman step into a starting center. looks like yeah. a potential future. Um, and, and I guess that kind of leads into the trade value and the depth of this team. Do we want to give it up for a big trade uh, for Bradley Bill? Do we want to see what we can get for a Jonas Valanciunas? What can we get for them? Um, you know, I, I before the season, I wanted to stay deep. I, I'm not for giving up a whole lot. And I, I think – I stay that way. And granted, it's easier to do that because we're on a six game winning streak. Uh, but how are you guys feeling? Let's, let's just start with Valanchunas, the most recent um, kind of addition to Grizzlies trade rumors. Man, he misses he misses one game, and everyone's like, "Ah, we don't need him. We should just get rid of him." Ah, you say <laughs> that, so- but I, I I think you need to take some of the blame for this because you yourself <laughs> wrote an article like before the season started that basically outlined how expendable JV was. So I'm gonna hold off on you, Sam. Are you ready to get rid of him, or you need the big fella back, Yeager? All right. <laughs> what a well, is, that, is that Lithuanian for like something? I think so. Yeah, like powerful something. or something, some shit. Yeah, some like I, I did some badass shit. Yeah, I think like it's strength uh, maybe. I think that's probably right. Sounds like strength. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really like I'm the trade guy, so I'm, I'm definitely more willing to move stuff around, it, it, with the assumption being that we get something decent in return, and that becomes the question, right? I don't want to salary dump Jonas, obviously, um, yeah. but, but if it means like, you know, even another pick, um, and I don't know if that's two seconds or if you get like a. Uh, maybe a first from a good team, like a late first uh, for a guy like Jonas. I don't know who would be interested too. That's always what happens when we start concocting these trades is like, well, wait a minute. Is there even a market for this guy? We're like coming up with trade machine trades that work in principle that have like the salary matches and stuff. But you know, you have to then think would would that team even do it? Um, And I don't know who's in the market for a lumbering center that like, you know, plays a really old school game um, and then would want to start, uh, I don't know if he'd be necessarily like opposed to coming off the bench, but I can't imagine him being super pleased with that. I don't mm-hmm. know whether he's the kind of guy that comes in and like, you know, gets really mad about that and is kind of a bad part in the locker room. I don't know. Like, I, we just never had to deal with that. Um, so I don't know who would even want him. But if we could add another young piece, uh, I think I saw someone do a fake trade with the the Hornets, uh, in which we got back um, uh, Jaron's boy um, from Michigan State. Bridges. Uh, yeah, Bridges and and a guy like that, like a young wing, um, you know, not notwithstanding the fact that we seem to be compiling like our our players' boys, um, and we either put them down yeah, with really the hustle is. in the case of a few Murray State guys, or we you know bring in Xavier Tillman, and I mean, there's something to that for sure. But I, I would probably do something like that where we get younger and add more guys that are on the timeline of our clearly best players, which are you know between the ages of 20 and 22. Um, and, and that's just like, I think that's a smart move to do now, especially because we aren't trying to win now. Right. JV's a clear guy that like steadies the shit. He's a guy that like throw it, throw it into him in the post to get you a bucket. If you have like an offensive drought. Um, and I think he raises the floor of this team, uh, but he doesn't really get raised the ceiling significantly, especially when we've seen such successful minutes from Xavier Tillman. Um, and, and even Gorgie who kind of plays Gorgie, a more, yeah. more complimentary game to Ja is real, a real, a really mobile looks great this year, moving really well. Um, a really mobile big that can that can step out and is making like a really good amount of threes this year. Uh, Mr. Trebuchet, shout out, and uh, also a, a really good guy by all accounts, both in his community and um, seemingly in the locker room, like a good vet for the team. All this to say, I'd be open to trading JV if the right packet presented himself. But I'm also not like foaming at the mouth to do so. 
However, next year I will be on when he's an expiring because um, he's coming up, you know, entering his, his 29th year, I believe, uh, or he's like, old, he's getting close to 30 next year. He will be um, actually, how old is he? I have no idea. Is he, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I, I thought I remembered the three-year deal being like basically his prime. Like it was like 25 to 28. 20, he's almost 29. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought then. Yeah. So then you're, you know, he's approaching the age of you know 30 when you're a center, a big guy lumbering around, like not necessarily what you want age wise. So I think you trade him as an expiring next year. Um, but if the right package comes along, totally open to it. Zach, you, you, you wrote that article and ruined everyone's perception of Jonas uh, that read it. I mean, what, what do you think? Even my own, I was like, you know, he's super Nathan brings it up at, like every week. He's like, he loves like yeah. Cause for the longest we were, time, we were all in. We were yeah, all well, I mean, in. I, right? Because you yeah. hated the defense, you hated the drop. Uh, but outside, of, and we all did at times. But yeah, we were yeah, all no, all in. Like he saved our season and fun guy. But you know, go ahead, Zach. Sorry. I, I so when he was super helpful to the team last year, but that wasn't like a great team, right? So what Memphis wants to build a great team, and with some of the pieces not complimentary to JV, we've seen. Jaron Jackson, the guy who Memphis has drafted him a while ago. He played basketball a couple times for us. Really good ball player. Hopefully we get to see him again. He and JV, numbers show, eye test shows, they're not really that compatible together. So if we're trying to get you know, Jaron to reach his full potential, I mean, JV's not part of the long-term plan. He's just going to be aging out of that. And – I don't know if this is the year that we're going to trade him. Um, maybe I could see a team maybe like Brooklyn, who's dismal in the paint. Uh, of course, they just trade away, a, a, I consider, a very good young center in Jared Allen. Um, he might be a piece that could help them. I mean, they don't score in the paint. There's no defense in the paint. But I don't know what Brooklyn has to offer at this point because Nothing. they just sold the farm. Um I don't know if he's seen as an upgrade to Boston over Daniel Tice, you know, someone like that, maybe uh, this season, if for someone who's trying to compete, but next year, I think is really where his value is going to come in uh, on the, on the trade market. Uh, And you mentioned Gorgie. How about someone who hasn't played basketball in a while coming in and having a, a low key, really good night last night, two for three from three uh, finishing around the rim, uh, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, why was why was he out of the rotation for a little bit? But maybe Jenkins truly is just experimenting and looking at the season as a greater body of work of uh, the 70 games and not concerned on a night-to-night basis uh, what's happening and trying to get a holistic picture of what the roster contains. Well, I mean, major credit to Gorgie um, being ready when he's called upon, but – uh, I, I don't disagree with Jenkins' decision to have him out of the lineup when he was and to have him back in the lineup when he is now as needed. Um, you're not going to bench JV for him, and I, I'd rather see Tillman play over him just because he's the future. Um, but Gorgie's obviously been, been great this year. If we would have had this Gorgie in the bubble last year, we'd have been able to play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs, but he sucked in the bubble and we couldn't even play him. Um, so shout out to him. Uh, JV, I think the, the good thing is this year his on and off stats are really good. His defensive numbers are good. And while his individual stats are down and the eye test seems to be down, you know, we, we, last year he was getting 20 and 20 games, no problem. 
And I think we see that when the Raptors were ready to contend or ready to rebuild into another form of contender, they knew JV couldn't do it. I think we saw JV last year on a bad team uh, win us some games, but and, and and fill the stat sheet. But ultimately, we saw we saw him getting burned on defense. Like we we knew his limitations, and this year, as we're and especially having someone like Xavier Tillman who has stepped in so seamlessly to that starting center role, and we've seen what he can do defensively, offensively, and how the ball moves with him. Um, I I think this might be the time. While JV's numbers look good on and off the court, teams know what he can do. Like, I don't know who will take him. I'm not sure it's a top-tier contender. I know there's been a lot of talk about Charlotte um, for Cody Zeller, which I'm not sure they would do that. I think Cody Zeller fits more of their team, like defensively and stuff, and he he can pass. Um, but I think it'd be one of those Eastern Conference teams who's trying to make the play in, like trying to finish in that 6-10 to 10 who could use him to to make that push? Um, but what about the Raptors? Uh, ironically, a reunion I mean, that that, yeah. that that could work. Aaron Baines, you know, not really not an, after Mark left. You're seeing how valuable Mark was in that team and Serge Ibaka as well. So they're they send their front courts done. They're I mean I don't know what their overall plan is. But they send they us do, Norman Powell or something. Yeah, or, or uh, the Terrence Davis, that the Ole Miss kid, or you know just a young piece and an Obi is who I'd like, but that's probably not happening. Um, cause he just got paid and, and he, they really like him over there. It seems like, but yeah, I mean, but again, like exactly like you pointed out, they're a, a, a middling to, to bottom tier East team, uh, right now. That's going to be trying to make a push if that's indeed their, their goal. But, um, you don't like, it's kind of like when the Spurs sold on Kyle Anderson, uh, you know, and when he was like entering his prime, it's like, they're an organization that's really smart or has been in the past, you know, they, they've made questionable decisions recently. Um, but they, uh, but you know, they're an organization where they decided they didn't like what they saw from Kyle Anderson and traded him or it didn't sign him. Uh, and then of course they, the Raptors do the same thing for JV. So you kind of like, I always question when smart organizations cut ties with the guy when he's about to enter his prime, that means that they don't think he has what it takes to make them a winning organization that they're willing to give him up for Marc Gasol. Right. It wasn't like we traded him Kawhi Leonard. Um, and, uh, and, and so I, I don't know. I've always questioned about that. And Tillman, man, imagine like just close your eyes, guys, and 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 just imagine a lineup of John Morant, some combination of DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, and uh, and uh, and Dylan Brooks at the two or three, uh, Jaron at the four, and Xavier Tillman at the five. I mean that that's kind of like that's exactly where we're wanting to go. I think in the future, and I think the sooner we start playing the guys together and developing that rapport, shit, the better, man. We need to get those guys some minutes, um, and and get those guys some continuity. Yeah, so uh, a big topic has been basically we had two weeks off and there was no progress, according to Taylor Jenkins. Actually, the progress was stunted for Justice Winslow and Jaron Jackson. And and I know you guys are kind of down on the injury situation, so I'd like to propose an optimistic take uh, first before we get into the pessimistic ones. What if these guys were so close to returning that they were in the conditioning phase of, you know, just having to get up to 100% as close to game condition without playing in games as possible. And because the facility was closed for that week and a half, two weeks, they were unable to properly NBA-style condition. And that's why they're not back. You know, maybe they're fully healed, but their heart rate's not right. Y'all buying that? 
I, I'm, I'm kind of over being pessimistic about it, bro. Like I'm like, I'm here for the positivity. You know, I just got married feeling good. I had a great weekend in Nashville barring the COVID scare uh, and in the bar. And like now I'm, I'm, I'm well, let's, they're, they're great. They're doing well. They're going to be back soon. Uh, it's the operative word. The uh, Jaren, I get, I get, cause that's like the total organizational thing of like, let's be really careful. We're, we're even winning games now, but it's clear that this year is not the year. Even if they make the playoffs, there's no fans. Like it's not even a year where they're going to bring made back some revenue necessarily. So it's like, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the year to push for that. And uh, so I, I understand the, the long-term Jaren thing, the justice thing is more concerning to me. Cause like there's no surgery or timeline there. And then also, and I've said this before, but he's, we got a team option on him next year. So we could cut ties with him if he's truly like just can't play uh, meaningful minutes and we know it, then we could cut ties with him or, you know, or pick up his option and try to trade him or do something. But the point being is I'd really like to see what we have with justice. And it just makes no sense to me that we haven't, unless he's like truly damaged goods. Um, particularly with all the injuries that were happening, you know, stacking up earlier in the season. Now maybe, you know, you could still rest on your laurels. We got a lot of healthy wings. We got a log jam. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe that's the case, Mason. I'm hoping that they just got to ramp up the cardio, you know, get on the elliptical or the peloton and get going, my dudes. Um, uh, Zach, are you are you optimistic or you think that you're never going to so, see Justice Winslow in a uniform? So, Jaron, I, I thought it was kind of funny that uh, on the broadcast, Pete and Brevin were trying to dance around these hoops with their words about, you know, what the guys were doing in the downtime. You know, oh, they're not. They're not, you know, practicing all together. Brevin was even like, there's a lot of good hoops outside in the city of Memphis where you, they're getting their shots up, you know, joking around, which I don't even know if you can play on the public courts in Memphis yet. I don't know. There were kid, people playing down the street from me, which I got a public hoop near my house, which I thought was, I was happy to see that today. I digress. Um, but then Jaron tweets out something today of, they think we have it or, We've been, don't tell them we've been hanging out and then like a whisper emoji. <laughs> so, like, or we're good because we hang out. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Dude's been doing stuff. They well, haven't I, been I, just I, like, I, not think doing he was playing, I think he was playing on the whole like, they like each other and that's why they're good. Yeah, but they yeah, still play that a lot doing stuff. They, they do. They do. Yeah. But I think like they probably get tired of hearing that they're not good because they're good fucking basketball players. Um, yeah. It's like, it's just because they like game together or like, you know, develop SoundCloud mixtapes together. It doesn't mean that they're going to be better on the court necessarily. It helps a little bit, but that's become a narrative, I think, that undercuts their basketball skill. So I imagine that, that would piss me off if people said, I'm a good lawyer because I hang out at the firm. I like go to the <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe it's just like my skill. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I, I get that, but um, I don't know. I, Mason, I mean, do you think, when will we see these guys? I mean, is it, at what point are we like, now's the time, you know, now's the safe time. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I, I just think it could not even be the whole season, honestly. Well, let me ask this question too. Is it, is it more likely we see them because we're winning? Is it less like we see them because we're winning or is the winning streak and like this prognosis of the season so far have nothing to do with what is going to happen with them? I would say it likely doesn't matter, but if I had to pick which way it would go, I would say winning just delays their return even more. Um, because the fans are satisfied and, you know, they're not calling for everything. But go ahead, Zach. And Jenkins is getting to see all these other guys. Like the we're able to figure out, hopefully, who's going to remain on the roster in the years to come. You know, which of these wings we're going to be able to keep. Who do we want to keep? So we're getting more run out of them 
because when Jaron comes back, I mean, he's going to be taking minutes. Yeah, you know, I, he's taking 25, 30 minutes from someone. I feel you, but then we also have the the Dylan Brooks effect where these guys might be getting more shots than they deserve, and we ultimately want to see how they fit with Ja and Jaron because that's the ultimate end game. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, I, none of us know. The Grizzlies do a great job, honestly, of keeping things super tight in-house. There's not rumors anymore abound about what's happening in the locker room, people leaking things to their friends who are reporters or agents leaking things. So um, compared to where we were three years ago, I'll take the secrecy and the wins and the hitting on draft picks compared to rumors getting out about how our locker room is basically hating each other and no one's getting along and who's fighting who and all that. So it could be a lot worse, but uh, to go back to some fun stuff, let me tell you a stat that I found that was really good. Grizzlies players who in the steal ratings are in the 80th percentile or better. Now, we got a bunch of them. Dylan Brooks, 83rd percentile. Brandon Clark, 80th. Tyus Jones, 92nd. Xavier, 97th. Gorgie, 96th. Melton, 96th. Jitty, 100th percentile. The boys have been d up, and that's ultimately wow. how we've been so good so what? far this season. Yeah, I mean, they, that takes buy-in. That takes collusion together to create a, a defensive scheme because, like, NBA defense is, has to be five men on the floor doing, you know, everything together. And there's been a lot of possessions where you notice the, I mean, the straight-up on-the-string yo-yo effect of getting out and running got, running shooters off when the ball's changing sides. NBA offenses are always so smart with moving the ball. You don't see those stagnant college possessions. And even still, you see our guys are getting out really quickly. I mean, it's active as hell. And we get so many deflections, man. We're like – top three, I believe, in deflections at this point um, with, uh, with you know, guys like Melton out there sticking their long-ass arms into the fray. and Kyle. Just, just, yeah, Kyle, too, and they're really smart. I mean, the second that first deflection happens, even if we don't get a steal off that, it immediately just creates disarray. And and uh, it's, uh, it's it's fun to watch, too. It's, it's a fun defense. It's not like – it's not necessarily we have one lockdown wing defender and it's like a slogging style. It's like – I mean, it's it's active athlete athletes playing defense, which is cool as hell. Um. It, yeah. Yeah, and, and Jenkins, I think this year has done a great job of switching defenses. We've seen zone, we've seen press and pressure. Um. So shout out to him. You know, Zach talked about the offense kind of taking place, we're just needing some three pointers to fall. Um. But he's done a great job. <laughs> yeah, the guys seem to like him too. They're bought in. Um. And it's hard. It's like the beginning of a great culture, right? Like a guy that could coach here for. 20 years. I mean, like, uh, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, and that's, that's exactly the hire they were intending to make was the next Greg Popovich or, uh, you know, the next uh, Rick Carlisle or wh- whatever, you know, like, uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, it, all it takes is like a, a losing streak and then, you know, we'll be on his we're ass. Pissed um, off and, yeah. you know, it, it's all about the players too. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones executing his plan, whatever it is. And they're hooping. So you don't want to take away from that, but all the things are firing right now. And it's just, you really love to see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and Ja, he's 92nd percentile in effective field goal percentage, 97th from two-point, and only 11th percentile from three-point land. So he's not shooting the ball well from deep, um, but he, he gets to the rim at will. And I know at the rim, he's in the 82nd percentile in accuracy, and in the mid-range, he's 95th percentile. So he's getting buckets with the best of them. And uh, you add that in to being one of the best passers in the league. 
Uh, and then Tyus Jones coming in when he's not in and getting eight assists and knocking down floaters. Like the point guard play has been absolutely tremendous, which yeah. kind of fuels Jenkins' whole offensive get out and run system. Yeah, Stone's been hooping too. It's good shit. Uh, do you guys want to move into prognosis of the upcoming week of games? Yeah, what we got? There we, we got, got Spurs right. Monday, right? We got, yeah, we got, we got a, a lot. We got this is on KG. This is no different than that. This is me. All right, I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. All right, this is, this is how I win. As we look at the the week going forward and just make some uh, uh, educated guesses on the way the games are going to go. Just a simple pick'em of wins and losses. Um, this this next week we have four games, so it's actually a lot of games cranked into this week. Unrelated, no makeup, so it's just to happen to be a a busy week. Tomorrow we have the Spurs, uh, tomorrow being Monday, we're recording Sunday evening. You should hear this podcast Monday morning, so it'll be tonight when you listen. Uh, Spurs at 7.30 back in Memphis. Um, or actually, it's still in San Antonio, right? Uh, I think they're they're still in San Antonio. So at Spurs, Monday. Uh, Mason, how do you feel that game goes? Uh, I think that's going to be complete opposite of what we saw yesterday, except I think the Grizzlies are, are still going to win. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. You still think the Grizzlies win? That's an, a W. Um, then the Grizzlies travel over into Indianapolis to play the Pacers, uh, the team I hated on the most for the season. Now the team that I ironically love to watch the most on league pass. Oh, how the turntables, um, they face off against the Pacers at 7 PM. Zach, how do you think that game goes? That's a back to back second half of the back to back. Is Sabonis still out? I do not know. Oh, I gotta check that one real quick. That's a, um, it don't matter because Avery Tillman's going to shut him down anyway. Hell yeah. And that Karis LaVert, of course, uh, is not playing. He just had a, a successful surgery on a, uh, a cancerous tumor, I believe, on his kidney. So shout out to him. Prayers up. Hope he's recovering well. But will not be in this game. They obviously traded Oladipo for him. So that's another crucial scoring presence that they don't have. Yeah, they ended up losing a lot. But uh, in the end, you know, could be a life-saving trade for LaVert. So things worked out. But yeah, no kidding, man. In, India's feeling the, the effects of losing Oladipo. So, Zach, is, is your boy playing? I know you've been high on, on Sabonis and Pacers in general. Yeah, it looks like he's not on the injury report, uh, at least on what I just looked at. I think that coming off the back-to-back, traveling, haven't really had that, uh, been off for a while. That could be a tough one for the Grizzlies. Uh, so could see could see that being a, a random end to the winning streak. All right, and uh, heading back home Thursday, a day off Wednesday and Thursday, the Rockets come to town. John Wall, Boogie Cousins, and the resurging depot on the Rockets. They're kind of a frisky team. Uh, I think they're 500 now. They were 9-9, nine and nine, weird team. Friskier than everyone thought. Christian Woods hooping. Detroit, what a fucking crazy move to not – pay him some money, um, or maybe he just wanted to leave. I don't know what happened there. But uh, Rockets are frisky. How do we feel about the uh, Rockets at home, Mason? Yeah, we'll see how the beginning of this week goes, but they have the second longest winning streak in the NBA to the Grizzlies first. We're at six. They're at five games. Um, I think that's going to be a chippy one. Uh, John Wall and John Morant, I can see them getting into it, like John Wall trying to hold his ground as – one of the elite point guards and John Morant trying to tell him, no, nah, man, you're a has-been. This is my my floor now. Um, I, I think the Grizzlies will win that game and kind of set a tone. But I think that's going to like set a tone for some chippy games throughout the season with the Rockets. Yeah, we haven't seen since Josh went back him have like another, you know, like a 40-point outbreak or those first two games. I know he still has mentioned his ankle 
he brought that up in a recent game. Like uh, it was a, he had a, a kind of a, it wasn't a missed dunk per se, but it was a, a ball. He usually probably would have flushed very easily that he didn't manage to put back. And some, he tweeted, once I get this ankle, right, then, you know, I'll, I'll hammer that motherfucker or whatever he said. Uh, point being is that his ankle, he's still thinking about it. So, like, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be two of the best defensive teams in the NBA since they play, traded James Harden. The Rockets have been the best team and the Grizzlies are like right there at third. So, yeah, uh, should, should be a defensive battle. Um, so we think that's a, a great game to watch. I'm excited for that one. But Mason thinks that the Grizzlies pull out a win and and ride the the wave. Zach, what you got on the Rockets? Have you guys ever listened to or watched on League Pass with the Rockets announcers? They're dope. Really? See, I, I listened and I could not get on board with it, man. It sounded Is it like yelling the whole time. Do what? I'm thinking of the Cavs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it just, they sounded just discombobulated, and one of the guys is calling people the wrong names, and the other one's correcting. It just sounded like two old dudes just sitting in their garage or something. I don't. I mean, that's like what I'm doing, but probably not. <laughs> you're you're an old white guy sitting in his basement, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's uh, I, 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 it was I a weird one. It was yeah. a weird one. So I check it out sometime. I'll let's see if I'm crazy or I just caught him on a bad night or something like that. Uh, speaking of old annou- announcers, uh, the Grizzlies then play another day off on Saturday night. The Grizzlies play at New Orleans at the Pelicans. First game this season versus the Pelicans. Um, and then the Pel- a reeling Pelican squad, who I think are 7-11 and 11 now, picked up a win against, I think, Chicago or, or a pretty terrible team and have really underperformed. Everyone is kind of doing the skies falling thing there now. They seem to be sellers right now. They're going to trade uh, J.J. Redick. Uh, and some of their other vets, and you know they don't play any defense despite Stan Van Gundy being there. I think there's questions of whether their guys are buying in for Stan. Pretty tough scenario there, but the Pelicans always beat our ass. So what do we think about uh, what do we think about that Pelly's game? I mean, I'm not picking against the Grizzlies when it comes to the Pelicans. I know it's the, I, in my heart of hearts, Memphis needs to win these games against the Pelicans and then in the future going forward. And I think we have them right where we want them. Memphis is hot right now. Pelicans have a lot of drama going on. They're not playing up to their full potential. Just got to keep guys like Brandon Ingram, you know, in check, obviously Zion um, contain them a little bit, but I think our deep roster is going to really benefit us uh, in a game like this. So is that an official backdoor cut prediction of three and one on the week? I believe so. Um, all, all things considered, which is pretty bold, man. But so that yeah, take, we're that feeling our That would take us to eleven and seven, I believe, because uh, we're currently eight and six, three and yeah, eleven and seven. I mean, we'd be sitting pretty with that type of record. Yeah, and if they keep playing like they did, obviously they're not going to hit shots, but if they keep playing like they have in the Suns game, kind of finding creative ways to win and ding up like that. And the sky's the limit at that point. I mean, if you could get Jaron back too, I know this is like all conjecture, but if you get him back for that Pelly's game, I don't know. I could see like, would love to get him back for a game like that. Um, not that he'll be anything of what we can expect. Like he won't be even up to 100%, but it'd just be nice to see him back in the uniform and playing basketball again. Yeah, that would, well, that would be a sight for sore eyes, man. man. For sure. All right, so is is that our one hope for this week? I was going to ask you guys one thing you want to see this week from the Grizzlies as we, we have about 30 seconds to close it out. Sam, what, what you got? Jaron Jackson Jr. playing basketball again. Zach? Oh. 
this is a lot of pressure. I feel like I want to see Morant have double digit assists every game. And, and I, uh, while the injury, the injured players coming back are the top of the list, I'll go a uh, Ja forty point game. Let's get back to scoring, Ja. Uh, but yeah, we need to get that scoring average up, man. Like as the All Star games coming, all the voting's happening. Um, you know, we'll we'll see if he can get that popular vote. So easy to forget. He's only played like five and a half games this season, and, and yeah, we're still kind of bullshit old. if he gets in. But oh well, <laughs> you know, it's a weird season. Like you can't blame him for the COVID layoff. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we got a while. We got a while to go before voting in. So hopefully, he'll make his claim by then. Uh, vote John Morant of uh, NBA All Star on Twitter on NBA.com wherever you vote. Uh, but we are predicting the Grizzlies to go three and zero this week, baby. We're staying hot. Uh, but we'll talk to y'all next Monday night dash radio. Thanks for having us subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at backdoor cut show. We gone.